Our text this morning for uh, exhortation is John 4, verse 1 to 42. It can be found on page 888 of your chair Bible. John 4, 1 to 42. The Word of God says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied, from, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Then they went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But when he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So his disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say 
There are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored. You have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that I believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. And this is the word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We pray that our eyes, that our ears, that our hearts are open to receive what you have to say. Lord, speak to us. Speak to us through your word. Your word is true. Your word is infallible. May we hear from you today. May we be forever changed. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We serve a God who has pursued us. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for five years, for 10 years, for 20 years, for 50 years, or you can't remember a time that you weren't a Christian. God came to you and he brought you to himself. He opened your eyes to see who Christ is and you weren't even looking for him. You may have just been living your life like you're a normal human being. You may have been living your life not even looking for God. Maybe you were actually in rebellion You may have thought that you were just minding your own business, and then one day, a man came, and he sat down next to you, and he told you all that you had done. Then from there, your eyes, your ears, your heart, they were opened, and you believed. And then, you started to go and tell others. In this text today, we see a discussion that took place between a woman of Samaria and Jesus Christ. The woman had come to the well to draw water, just as she had done every other day. But this afternoon, something was different. There was a man there, a Jew. It was Jesus. He started a conversation with her that would forever change her and also change many people in that town. As we walk through this text today, we will see that Jesus pursues sinners. He pursued us. He finds us. He speaks the truth and love to us, calling out our sin. He calls out sinners on their sin, and this forever changes them, causing them to leave everything to tell others about Christ. Here's some background to this text before we jump into it. In the previous chapter, Jesus was in Judea. He was with his disciples, and they were baptizing. The text does say, though, that Jesus was not baptizing. And there... And there was a discussion about baptizing from, about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist points to the greater Jesus. He says, I must, he must increase, I must decrease. And after this, Jesus leaves Judea and heads to Galilee. And the passage says he must go through Samaria. This was the shortest route geographically, but also keep in mind the sovereignty of God. He must, he had to pass through Samaria. So let's pick this up in verse 5. Verse 5 says, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, 
near there, near the field of Jacob, that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Here we see Jesus was wearied from the journey. We often forget that although Jesus is truly God, he is also truly human. He did get tired. He did get hungry, as humans do. And here it says it was about the sixth hour. It was the middle of the day, often the hottest time of day. In verse 7, it says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus is sitting there by the well. His disciples had gone away to get food. They do come back later, and he does, they do have an interaction with Jesus. But here we see Jesus is resting, and along comes this woman. She's minding her own business, just coming to get water in the middle of the day, as she often does. Now this Jewish man says to her, give me a drink. Jesus is breaking all sorts of social norms. As the text says, Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. The Samaritans were seen by the Jews as almost half-breeds. They were Jews, but they also had Assyrian blood. They were outcasts by the standards of the Jews. And also, men usually didn't speak to women who they weren't married to in these times. But here, Jesus doesn't seem to care. This woman comes to get water, and he asks her for a drink. Jesus is pursuing her as the shepherd pursues a lost sheep. Although, as he says later, salvation is of the Jews, it's not just for the Jews. It is for God's people from every nation, every tribe. And every time. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has come after you in this very same way. He loves you too much to let you keep minding your own business. He goes out to get you. In God's sovereignty, he had to come to where you were to bring you to himself. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here again. We are all familiar with John 3.16. It was, it was referenced earlier, I believe, in Sunday school. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is the very gift of God. And that very gift of God is talking to the Samaritan woman. But she cannot see it yet. She does not see the need for living water, the living water that only Jesus offers. According to Wikipedia, the Fountain of Youth, a mythical spring, allegedly restores the youth of anyone who drinks or bathes in its water. Tales of such, of such a fountain have been recounted around the world for thousands of years, appearing in writings of Herodotus of Alexander and of Prester John during the early crusade, crusades of the 11th and 12th century. Stories of similar waters also featured prominently among people of the Caribbean during the Age of Exploration. They spoke of restorative powers of water in a mythical land of Bimini, 
Based on many legends, explorers and adventurers looked for the elusive fountain of youth or some other remedy to aging generally associated with magic waters. The fountain of youth is a myth. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has given us the true living waters. He is the living water. We freely come to him now and we will never thirst again. We will surely thirst physically, but Jesus gives us a water that does not go away. The water does not return our youth. It gives us eternal life. Revelation 21.6, John writes, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. We drink the living water that Jesus Christ has given us, and we keep coming back for more and for more and for more, knowing that eternal life will never run out. We come back to his word, and we see his promises will never leave us or forsake us. We come to the source of life, and we receive eternal life. As a tree planted by streams of flowing water, so Jesus continues to satisfy us. Yet, this woman does not see it at this point. She keeps thinking in terms of physical thirst. She is thinking in terms of having to keep coming back to Jacob's well to draw water. She does, however, begin to want the water that Jesus offers. This seems to be only because she does not want to come and draw water anymore in the middle of the day when the sun is scorching. It is great that she is now asking for waters, but her motives aren't quite right, and we see why in verse 16. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Go call your husband. Here we find out a little more about why she is coming to draw water at this time of day. She does not have a husband. Jesus knows this. She, he knows that she has had five husbands, and the man she is now with is not her husband. This is sin. She is an adulterer. The town would have known this. She comes to draw water at the well at this time to avoid the people of the town. The people would have been getting water at cooler times of day, but she comes at the hottest time of day to avoid this. But this day, Jesus was there. The offer of water that would quench all thirst is intriguing to her because she no longer wants to come to the well at the middle of the day. She no longer wanted to come at the hour she came to avoid her guilt and shame. She was avoiding the people who knew her sin. But Jesus speaks truth to her. He knows her. He loves her enough to call her out on her sin. But he does not condemn her. He's gentle with her. Remember, Jesus had to go through Samaria. He goes to this well. He knows this woman was coming to that well. He knows she's a sinner. And Jesus, the Son of God, still talks to her. Brothers and sisters, Jesus comes to you in your sin. You did not seek him first. He seeks and saves those who are lost. You were lost. He seeks and saves those who are his. You are his. He did not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. This is you. This is me. He says, go call your husband. Go call your wife. Maybe that relationship you are in needs to be called out. Maybe that thing you've been doing needs to be called out. Maybe even the thoughts you have need to be called out. 
Jesus says to you, tell me what you're thinking. How does this woman respond? Verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him worship in spirit and truth. This woman now starts to see this Jewish man who knows about her must be a prophet. He must be a man of God. He knows her sin in detail. And some scholars say her response seems to try to change the conversation away from her sin to worship. But let's consider, let's consider now how see, she starts to see Jesus as a prophet. She's asking the man of God an important question. Both the Jews and the Samaritans worshipped. What she believes about worshipping is a mixed bag. Being a Samaritan, she followed some Jewish traditions, but they were also mixed with other traditions. They did not really know the God that they said they worshipped. They worshipped what they did not know. But Jesus, being born a Jew, was part of the community that was given the oracles, given the promises, given the covenants of God. The Jews worshipped what they know, and salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is promised to come through the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, all the way to Jesus. This woman, having been called out in her sin, is asking the prophet of God where she is to worship. Where can she offer worship to God, to the God that she offended with her sin? Jesus tells her that God is spirit. God does not dwell in temples made with hands. He is the seeker. We see this as Jesus is seeking the woman. God is seeking those to worship him. Not just going through rituals only out of tradition and superstition. Many think... If I say this prayer, if I read this passage, if I go to service, I'll be good with God. I can still be in my sinful relationship. I can still worship in some way and still sin. As long as I go to church on Sunday, say my prayers, I'm fine. Brothers and sisters, even Christians, even as Christians, we can fall into that trap. We can say, I sinned yesterday, so I will pray and I will read extra for forgiveness today. But that is works. That is very similar to the Roman Catholic teaching of penance. Say ten Hail Marys for our fathers. Give an indulgence and you'll be forgiven. That is not the way. Jesus says the Father is seeking those to worship him in spirit and truth. People must come to God in spirit. Romans 8.5 For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who worship according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You must be in the spirit to please God. You must be born from above to please God. You must be born again. The woman is being drawn by the spirit here. Her sin is called out. She begins asking about spiritual things, about worship. Now she goes a little further with her response. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, 
I who speak to you am he. She knows the Messiah is coming. The Samaritans did have the writings of Moses and the prophets. They were taught enough to know the Messiah was going to come, the chosen one of God. He would tell them all things concerning God. He would bring light into the darkness. He would be the savior of the world. And yes, he has come. Jesus says to her what he did not say to many in his ministry. He did not use a parable or a hidden teaching to tell her this. Even his disciples, he had to ask them who they thought he was. But here, he tells straight up to this adulterous Samaritan woman, I who speak to you am he. This sinful woman was waiting for the Christ. And here, Christ comes to her. Remember again, the text said he had to go through Samaria. He talks to her. He speaks of living water only he can offer. He knows her sin and he calls her out on her sin. And here, he still draws her to himself by the Spirit. He reveals himself in his own words to her. I who speak to you am he. Brothers and sisters, Christ, the Messiah, has come. He's telling us all things. He has spoken to you. He continues to speak to you in his word. He tells you your sin. He grants you repentance as a gift. He gives you living water that will never run dry. Take a drink, drink, and worship. He is worthy. Verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with this woman, but no one said anything. No one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her jar and went away into a town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. So here the disciples return and see Jesus speaking to this woman. They found it strange, yet chose not to say anything. I'm sure they wanted to, being this was unusual for this Jewish man to be talking to this Samaritan woman, but they wisely remained silent. But the woman now leaves her water jar. The reason she came there in the first place to draw water, and she went back into town, and she tells people, come, see a man that told me all that I ever did. This sinful woman who was avoiding people in the town by coming to the well at that time of day is now going to the town looking for people to tell about this man who called her out on the very sin that was causing her to avoid people in the town. Come, see a man. Come, see this prophet of God. Come, could this be the one we've been waiting for? Come, see the Messiah. Could this be him? Who does this? Who goes from avoiding people because of their sin to shouting, come, See a man, a changed person, a person who has been born again, a person who has met Jesus Christ, the Messiah. When the truth of Jesus Christ changes us, we will go and tell everyone. We will tell our friends, we will tell our neighbors, we will tell our relatives, we will even go up to strangers. We will say, come, see a man who told me everything that I've done. He is the Christ. He lived and died and he rose for me. He is the living water. Come see him. Take what he has for you. Drink and never thirst again. Brothers and sisters, what is stopping you from being like this woman? Because she told people, the text says, they went. They were coming out of the town. The simple proclamation of the Messiah from this sinful woman brought people to see the Messiah. 
Let us not underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit in our evangelism. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. The disciples were still concerned with the physical need of Jesus. Their teacher needed to eat. But Jesus explains to them that his food is to do the will of the Father. He is to first seek and save those who are his. His food is to harvest the crop of souls to eternal life. The seeds have been planted through the prophets of the Old Testament up through John the Baptist. And now the harvest is coming and Jesus preaches the gospel. People are coming from the town on account of the testimony of the woman. And Jesus tells his disciples as they're coming, lift up your eyes. The fields are white for harvest. Here comes the crop right now. He's saying, let us rejoice together. The harvest is coming to us. Brothers and sisters, we enter into the labor of others. Gospel seeds continue to be planted. We are to go and continue to preach and to water, and the harvest of souls will continue to come in Christ. The Father is seeking through the Spirit and proclamation of his word, salvation is of the Lord. And we have the honor to harvest the crops. What a privilege it is to enter into the work of our master. Verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said we believe, for we have heard for ourselves And we know that this indeed is the savior of the world. A sinful woman who the town knew as a sinful woman goes to the town, to the people she was usually trying to avoid and tells them, come, see a man who told me all I've ever done. People listened to her and they came and they believed. At first it was because of her testimony. Brothers and sisters, we are sinners. Jesus told us all that we have ever done. We have believed on him. Perhaps you first believed because someone came to you and said, come, see a man. Perhaps they told you how they met Jesus at a well, or maybe on a street corner, or maybe they met Jesus reading a track, or maybe on a college campus, or maybe a church service, and how Jesus spoke truth through the proclamation of the gospel. Perhaps a a person told you that you are a sinner and you need the Messiah, you need the Savior. Perhaps you were told how Jesus Christ lived a perfect, righteous life, a life you were called to live, yet you cannot, and the penalty of unrighteousness is death and hell. Perhaps you were told that Jesus took that penalty for us, and he suffered hell on the cross in your place, and that he rose from the grave, and that he will return. If you believe, you will not perish. You will have everlasting life. You can drink from the water that wells up to eternal life, and never thirst again. 
Brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, you drink from this water. You have eternal life. I urge you now, in response to the truth, go into town, go into work, go into school, go everywhere people are, and tell others, come, see a man. Not all will come, but God will be worshipped and glorified. He knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. His people will come, and when they come, they will stay, and Jesus does not let them go. We see in the text they asked Jesus to stay, and he stayed for two days. He was with them, telling them many things of God. Jesus was doing the will of the Father, proclaiming the truth, preaching, and teaching the gospel. And people believed because of his word now. We come to faith by hearing the word of God. We hear the gospel. The Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts to believe. We are born again. Then we continue to come to Jesus, seeking him in his word, in the Bible. We also, in worship on the Lord's Day, from hearing the word proclaimed, continue to hear from Jesus. Now, this is an act of worship. Many evangelical churches will just say the music portion is worship, but the sermon is not just a talk. It is hearing from God, the very word of God. Not that the preacher is teaching anything new, but he's teaching the very word of God, the word of salvation. Now we believe because Jesus speaks to us. Jesus continues to teach us. And I pray our ears remain open to the word of Jesus. We can say with his people, we no longer believe because somebody else told us, but we believe because Jesus, the Messiah, speaks to us. Brothers and sisters, we can say with confidence, Jesus Christ is indeed the Savior of the world. He has saved you from your sins. He has transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Have you come? Have you seen? Have you tasted the living waters? Jesus sits at the well, drawing you in. He tells you all that you have done. He knows your sin and that you rebelled against him, yet he loves you anyway. The wells of this world, they will dry up. Whatever source of life you go to recedes. It will never fully satisfy. You can try to fill your cup with whatever the world tells you is satisfying, but in the end, it is like drinking water from the ocean. You will just be more thirsty, and eventually you will die. There's only one place to go. There's only one person to go to. There's only one who is the Savior of the world, who lived, died, and rose for you. Come, see a man who told me everything that I've done. I sinned against him, and this man still died for me. Then, when you come and you've seen and you tasted the living waters, go, tell others. Don't keep this man to yourself. Enter into the labor. The field is white for harvest. Tell people where eternal life is. Tell people where the living waters without end is available. Jesus sits next to you. He exposes your sin. He gives you living waters of his grace that wells up to eternal life. There's nothing to stop you from leaving all that you do and go and tell people. Come see a man who told me all that I've done. Brothers and sisters, let's be reminded as this text ended with verse 42. We know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We pray that as you do pursue us, Lord, we continue to grow in faith 
and boldness to tell people, come see a man, come see Christ, come see your son who you sent to live, die, and rise for sinners. Lord, this world needs you. You are the savior of the world. Keep saving, Lord. Keep using us. We thank you. May we leave here today forever changed, encouraged that you saved wretched sinners like us. I pray everything in the saving name of Jesus. Amen.